The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show online. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show that always Always makes it all the way through without any tactical difficulties. Oh, man. Sitting here, sitting over there, <laughs> is in a lemur? It's a polar bear. Polar bear, okay. Someone sorry. said panda in the comments, no. which if you can only see the top of it, I could see how I, you It kind of looks that. like a lemur. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. It's got some lemur qualities to it. It's got, to a, it. it's it's got a little bit of lemur should, quality to it. I should it. introduce you. You're Ashley Bickle. With the not lemur sweater With on. With unlemur, <laughs> an unlemured sweater uh, on today. Today is Tuesday, December 10th, 2019, 352 days until Thanksgiving, episode 873. 873, that is Keith Buckley's OPS in his illustrious Texas Rangers career. On today's show, guys, we have a new FBS coach in the state of Texas. We sure do. And probably, barring something unforeseen, probably the only FBS coaching change in the state this year. Yeah, it would head be, coach at, at, at least. At this point, any other ones would be, yeah. a, would be a bit of a surprise. We've got a lot of... OCs and DCs changing out. I yeah, feel like. you have a lot of assistants, but but, I, I but yeah, head coaching. Yeah, head coaching is probably it. Uh, we will talk about who UTSA cool. hired yesterday. Then we will announce the ten finalists for the Mister Texas Football Player of the Year Award. Ten Woo-hoo. finalists, and then we'll be joined by Craig Way, the Texas High School Ball Hall of Famer. He'll join us about twelve twenty. So stay tuned for all of that. A reminder, uh, as we mentioned in the pre-show, but if you're a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, check your email. You should have an email from us uh, saying, hey, you want to come eat breakfast with us a Saturday morning of the state championship games? We'd love to see you. We'd love for you to come out and eat some breakfast tacos and hang out with Dave Campbell's Texas football staff. Talk a little shop before the final day of the state championship games. That's on December 21st. Got to be an insider to get that email. Uh, Texasfootball.com slash insider. And now, do we dare ask you for oh first four my. through the door? Oh, my. We do, actually. We have first four through the door. The first four people to comment once the intro video fight, started playing fight, fight, was fight, fight, fight. Aaron Flynn, Matthew McSpadden, Allison Brown, and Kevin Higginbotham. And actually, Aaron Flynn commented first. And and was first? He was first. Hey, how about that? Yeah. Bonus starting off starting off good. Okay. All righty. So let's talk a little bit about something that happened yesterday. So for, perhaps you know that... UTSA uh, has been looking for a football coach. Uh, UTSA fired Frank Wilson after four years. Um, we can certainly discuss whether or not Frank Wilson should have been fired, but Frank Wilson was fired uh, as the head coach at, at UTSA um, and uh, took over. At, you know, the bottom line of it was, and we talked about whenever he did get he did get fired. The bottom line of it was that he just didn't win enough. He went nineteen and twenty nine. They didn't show any improvement. I would say if I were to – I don't think Frank Wilson's a bad coach. I think what Frank Wilson's – and I also don't think Frank Wilson was a bad recruiter. Mm-mm. I think what Frank Wilson's undoing was was that he never was able to find the right fit for coordinators. 
Right. And so it just it just was a revolving door that that they were never able to find, especially on the offensive side. Never able to do that. So we had caught wind that UTSA that a hire was imminent. They were looking uh, for some. They were looking at the the final that they had their guy. They had their guy, and they were waiting to announce it. Well, the announcement came down yesterday morning that the new head coach of the UTSA Roadrunners is Jeff Trailer. Jeff yeah. Trailer uh, is a guy who was most recently uh, on the staff at Arkansas, mm-hmm. along with Chad Morris. Uh, before that, he was on the staff at Texas with Charlie Strong. Uh, but before that, and where, if you know that name, if you're watching this show. Which you would probably know it from here. <laughs> is he was a relatively legendary uh, high school football coach. Mm-hmm. Helped to guide Gilmer to uh, winning three straight champ- three state championships there uh, for the Buckeyes. In fact, the stadium in Gilmer is named after Jeff Trailer. He is a, he is a, he does not buy meals in Gilmer, Texas. <laughs> So they go and they, they hire Jeff Trailer. And this is, on one hand, I am excited because I always think that I always like when guys who have roots in high school football and Texas high school football get a chance to show at the, at the college level, right? I was excited when Chad Morris got hired at SMU and then over at Arkansas. Um, basically, I've been, I've been excited whenever you've had those guys make that leap. Mm-hmm. I think there are some big questions, though, about this hire. First and foremost, it's worth mentioning that he's been fired from his last two jobs. Uh, he was at Arkansas. He got fired along with Chad Morris. Mm-hmm. He was at Texas with Charlie Strong. He got fired along with Texas. The, so th- that's one thing worth mentioning. The other thing is he has never been a head football coach above the high school level. He's also never been a coordinator above the right the, the, he's never been a coordinator at the college level he is and so basically what the what we've been taught about what we've learned about jeff trailer in his in his college career is that he is in many respects a guy who is supposed to be the recruiting ace mm-hmm. he's the guy whose job it is to go out there and recruit he has great connections with the texas high school coaches he is a guy who is known for being the guy that you send out there to close the deal. So here's my question. How is this different from Frank Wilson? Right. Because Frank Wilson was not a coordinator at LSU. Mm-hmm. He was an assistant coach. He got hired by UTSA. In many respects, he was, rec- he was known as the recruiting ace for LSU. He was Les Miles' recruiting ace at LSU. How is this super different right like i uh, the, 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 this felt like this feels like in many respects the same hire now i hope it works out mm-hmm. and i hope the results are different and maybe maybe that maybe now frank wilson was a head coach by the way in high school as well in louisiana my question is like i wonder how this is noticeably different from hiring frank wilson this feels like they made the same at least genre of hire right and another thing that we had talked about earlier before we even knew who the new coach was, is when we were talking about Frank Wilson, we were talking about the fact that a, it was unfortunate because he did so well the first year or yeah. two in looking like it's like he almost set himself up to high standards well, and then didn't and then able, wasn't it, able to produce wasn't able the last two up. years. Exactly. And so you hope that doesn't happen again. Well, because that's the other thing. 
is, if you look at UTSA's roster, I'm pretty bullish on what they have on campus. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's inheriting a team that has a lot of talent. Right. And it wouldn't be a surprise if UTSA ran out and had a great year. But, again, it's, it's how do you build sustainable or right. something sustainable. And what's interesting to me is that if you look over the course of UTSA's football history, which is brief, they've had three coaches now. They had Larry Coker. And Larry Coker... It's it's now very clear that they hired Larry Coker. This was a guy, his job was to be, politicians, kind of a bad word, but his job was to help get, get, Build the get things established. Yeah. Get things, get, a, get firm footing, say we're going to have, these are the things you need to have a football program. Mm-hmm. It was very clear that he was not around for the long haul. Right. He was like that. They go and they hire Frank Wilson, and I think that the idea was we're going to go out there and we're going to get a guy who's going to help us recruit big time. Mm-hmm. He's going to help us get talent and maybe over-recruit what we can do based on our history and based on our conference, right? right. We're going we're gonna to go out there, and for a, a new program, you've got to have somebody to give that a jolt. We also don't know, and now that you go to Jeff Trailer, and as I mentioned, it's very similar to the Frank Wilson hire— we also don't know. I don't know what a Jeff Trailer team is going to look like. Right. Now, if you go back and you say, okay, well, what is his, what does Gilmer team look like? They were dynamic spread offenses. They were they were lighting up scoreboards. They had tons of big time playmakers. What happened? Like what? How does that translate to the college level? Um, I think I think there's two other big questions for him. And Shahan J. Raja, our college football insider, is a great piece on TexasFootball.com about this. One of them is I think his assistants are, are super key. Mm-hmm. I think I think I want to know who he's hiring as his, as coordinators because, in a lot of ways, UTSA is a program without an identity. Right. That Texas Tech. Let's take Texas Tech. They have an identity. Okay. We know what they are. They are a they are a team that if they if you they were to go and they were to hire somebody who runs the the option that would be super weird. Right. At Tech. Okay. <laughs> They are a team that is a high-scoring offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, exactly. UTSA doesn't have that. And so it's a bit of a blank slate. So if Jeff Trailer has an identity, he can imprint on that. But I think a lot of it's going to come down to what his coordinators do. Because which coordinators he hires. Because, remember, like that was the, I said before, that was, I think, the undoing of Frank Wilson. Mm-hmm. Was he never was able to hang on to coordinators who could really help him. And that's the thing, too. If, if you, you can... You can be a stud recruiter, but if you can't put something on the field, right. then why are people? It doesn't matter how good of a recruiter you are because people don't want to come to a two and eight program. Ultimately, you know, like, kids want to win. Right, that's exactly. the number one recruiting thing. The other thing is, and I think this is a big important piece of this is this is a UTSA. Th- I think this is a UTSA fan base that is hungry for a winner. I think they are ready. I think they are ready to support this program, but they you got to give them a reason to. And so he has got to go and do – he's got to rebuild relationships with the community and say, guys, this is your team. So, look, I'm excited about it. I think that Jeff Tra- – I'm, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. about, about him doing it because he has he, – he was a winner in high school and he, he obviously knows how to run a football team. But there are some big questions he's got to hire – he's got to answer going forward, and I think it's going to start with which coordinators he hires. So there. I agree. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, 
College football and recruiting all across Lone Star State. Going, Meese commented on my uh, sweater, which mm -hmm. is not a lemur, but does kind of look like a lemur Thank from you. the top. Uh, he said Zabumafu. Did you ever watch Zabumafu? Was that after your time? I am 150 years old. So I'm going to go with no on that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Meese, I appreciated that. I loved Zabumafu as a kid. So there's mm -hmm. that little tidbit of information. Dave Campbell's Texas football, and along with Wells Fargo in conjunction with the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, is proud to announce the 10 finalists for the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award. Uh, it annually recognizes the most outstanding high school football player in the state of Texas. Uh, we have the Texas Football, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award. This is now the Player of the Year Award. Um, the winner of the 2019 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award will be uh, presented by Wells Fargo, will be announced prior uh, next Monday here on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they will be introduced at the Texas Bowl down on, on Friday, December 27th at NRG Stadium in Houston, which is the Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State game. Which is a very good game. Uh, previous winners include uh, 2018 Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall pick Kyler Murray. Uh, 2012 Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel. Uh, former Texas running, uh, Longhorns running back Jonathan Gray. Uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back uh, Jaquiz Rogers. Uh, and current Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders, among Garrett Gilbert, etc. Uh, the most recent, the 2018 winner, you may remember, was Mission Veterans Memorial quarterback Landry Gilpin, who is now at Southwestern University. Mm -hmm. This was extremely tough. We narrowed it down from 100 to 25, mm -hmm. and now we have to narrow it down from 25 to 10. Which is a lot, even though that's a much smaller number, it's a lot harder to do. And then <laughs> we, will have, we will have voting at TexasFootball.com. Uh, voting, uh, uh, fan voting will count uh, as one uh, one sixth of the vote or one fifth of the voting for the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year award. So th that is going up right after the show at TexasFootball.com. You can vote for who you believe should be the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year. We have ten candidates. Mm -hmm. They are <clears throat> Fort Bend Marshall athlete Devon Achan is a finalist for the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year award. As is. McLean athlete Ben Crockett. Galena Park North Shore quarterback Demetrius Davis. Duncanville quarterback Jaquindon Jackson. Pleasant Grove defensive end Landon Jackson. Hawley running back Colton Marshall. Frisco Lone Star wide receiver Marvin Mims. San Saba quarterback Sean O'Keefe. Rockwall wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Lampasas athlete Ace Whitehead. There they are, your 10 finalists for the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award. Devonna Chan from Fort Bend Marshall. Ben Crockett from McLean. Demetrius Davis from Galena Park North Shore. Jaquinnon Jackson from Duncanville. Landon Jackson from Pleasant Grove. Colton Marshall from Hawley. Marvin Mims from Frisco Lone Star. Sean O'Keefe from San Saba, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Rockwall, and Ace Whitehead from Lampasses. Voting goes up at TexasFootball.com here shortly. You can vote. Uh, the fan vote will count for 20% of the overall vote for the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award. And there are a lot of great players we had to leave off this. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it, is, it was an impossible task to, to narrow this down, and it's going to be even harder to narrow it down to one. Mm -hmm. But those are your 10 finalists. We will announce the winner, the 2019 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year here on this show on Monday. That's Monday the 16th? Yes, 16th, 16th which will be the last show of the year. Last show of the year. So it's a big one. Yes. So the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award will be announced here on this show 
on Monday. So be here. Yes. Do you have something to say? Oh, it wasn't about this, but yes, oh, there there was another lemurs? comment. No. <laughs> I mean, I can go. I can talk about lemurs, too, if you want. Uh, no, Rob Hadaway mentioned, and we forgot to mention this, but uh, Riley Dodge winning the Coach of the Year yeah, from there, the Tom Landry there's the, Coach of the, the Year. The Tom Landry Awards were last mm-hmm. night. Um, I believe, yeah, uh, Riley Dodge won Coach of the Year, sure. and then I think Jackson Smith and Jigba won Player of the Year. Nice. I believe that's correct. So. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. We'll invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. It's our subscription package. Two magazines, years worth of exclusive online content, and access to the biggest, dumbest podcast of all time. The state semifinal preview of Tep and Step, we went for 100 minutes straight yesterday. 102 minutes. That's a lot of nerding we're out. Crazy, we're crazy people. If you want to listen to that nonsense, textfootball.com slash insider <laughs> to become a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. Ashley, let's go to the hotline, and let's bring in the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer, we are joined, and a man who will call seven state championship games? It's Craig Way uh, here joining us. Uh, is it seven state championship games? Last time I checked, mm-hmm. speaking of uh, uh, of nerdy, lengthy uh, <laughs> conversations, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, we are now here into the state semifinals. Uh, we are one step away uh, from AT&T Stadium in Arlington. And the thing that, that struck me from, last, from going through the state semifinals is – it feels like we have this really fun mix of blue bloods that I think we totally expected to be here. I don't think it's a surprise that Carthage is in the final final four. I don't think it's a surprise that Canadian is in the final four. But then you've also got the new blood. You've got a lot of teams, in fact, 11 of them, who are chasing their first ever trip to a state championship game. Um, to me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, that kind of mix makes the state semifinals sometimes just as fun as the state championship games. You know, you've been to a lot of semifinal games like I have, and we're going to go to more this week. I'm, I'm going to be in Waco Friday night because I want to get a, get a look at that uh, 3A Division II matchup there uh, between uh, uh, Paul Pewitt and East Bernard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or, or uh, Paul, yeah, getting, getting a look at Paul Pewitt. And, and I, want to, I want to look at seeing the excitement that comes – from uh, Paul Pewitt's fans, as well as what you'd see from a traditional power. And that's part of the greatness that happens with these state playoff games when you get the quarterfinals, semifinals, because fans are experiencing the, the excitement. I'll tell you this. If you look at the home side of the stadium at Gupton Stadium last Saturday, and I wasn't there for that. I was up at the Ford Center. But if you look at the home side and saw how the Lamb passes fans filled up that home side of the stadium for their rematch with Liberty Hill, that speaks to exactly what you're talking about, the uh, excitement of the state playoffs and uh, how a program that hasn't experienced that kind of success in a long time is experiencing it at a fever pitch for its fans. Yeah, it, it is, and, and and that's what's so fun is that like not that Carthage fans are bored of playing in state semifinals, but <laughs> for a team like Lampasas or a team like Katie Taylor or or, or a team uh, you know like Hamlin, this is an opportunity for these communities to to really rally around that. And and you know I mentioned this on your show. Uh, one thing I love about this time of year 
is that this is when the casual fan is checking in. This is when they're saying, oh, you know what? Those state championship games are coming up, right? They're, they're usually around Christmas. I, I probably better check in on high school football. And so this is the time of year in which I think the interest level in the sport grows. And I think that's something that we kind of forget because we're so, like, ingrained in it. Is yeah, there are yeah. Is, is they, that there are a lot of casual fans who don't pay attention until right now. Yeah, you're right. I, listen, the most off-asked questions I get, uh, you know, for man or woman on the street or in the restaurant or whatever, is who's still playing and where are they playing? I get those questions all the time. I, hey, is so and so still alive? Well, yes, they are. But, hey, where are they playing this week? They're at such and such. I, I get those questions. I got the question the other day. Somebody said, hey, how did Wimberley do the other day? They won, yeah. <laughs> Who they got next? Silsby. Silsby? Yeah, everybody thought it was going to be West Orange Star. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of West Orange Star. Bet you hadn't heard of Silsby doing that well in football. <laughs> well, no, I hadn't. Well, guess what? They're playing in Katy on Friday night. Wow, I might have to check that out. You know, those kinds of conversations. And I had, had one of those the other day about that, uh, just about Wimberley. So there's another thing that's that's interesting to me about how this time of year you start to get these these teams that are, are used to being here that end up seeing each other uh, once again. That that for example, I think the number is um, let me make sure I get this. Uh, there are four rematches of the 2018 semifinals here that uh, Lake Travis and, and North Shore, uh, Shadow Creek and and San Antonio Wagner, a Canadian and Gunner for the umpteenth consecutive year it seems like and then mart and fall city and so kind of in your experience you know we we hear about it's it's hard to beat a good team twice there's only one actual rematch in the semifinals hamlin and stratford but when you're talking about these types of rematches where it's it's a year removed do you think that the same kind of idea applies where it's hard to beat a good team twice that, you know, last year Canadian beat Gunner 17-7? to Does that give Canadian an edge or is too much time and too much change? Well, I put almost that exact same question to Hank Carter this morning in, in talking about his Lake Travis thing getting ready uh, for North Shore. And he said time changes some of it, but the personnel changes. Uh, but obviously the expectations of programs who do well – do not change, he said. But we went in and uh, we showed, you know, what we think we have to do against this team. We like our game plan. The kids are all fired up about it. And he said, and it's been a good week so far. So some of the dynamics change if the the faces remain largely the same. I always go with that devil-you-know question when they get to a rematch. And I asked it for three consecutive weeks of coaches who were going up against teams they had seen earlier in the season, we talked about the 15 rematches at the quarterfinal level, all-time record. Well, I put that question to Hank Carter because he's got the unique thing uh, for the fifth consecutive week going up against the team he saw in the playoffs at that exact same level a year ago. It's never happened in 6A before where the first five opponents are identical to the first five opponents yet. Now, Man. obviously, they're hoping to change the narrative there by being able to get over the hump. But that's, that's what they look at, you know, the, the, the familiarity of the opponent, what they did wrong plus what they need to do wrong, and in, in specific, how some of the guys you're facing have changed uh, for the good or the bad from last year to this year. Perfect example, Demetrius Davis. I asked him about that. He goes, he's a better runner than he was a year ago. Uh, and, and he said, and that's difficult to imagine because he was so good a year ago, but he's better at running the football and he's an outstanding quarterback. I said, uh, throwing quarterback. I said, can you compare him 
to anybody. And he said, maybe the guy at Martin in the season opener, maybe Mike Chandler last week at Judson was a little bit bigger. He said, but Davis throws the ball better than either of those guys, and he runs the ball. He's a threat. So they, they look for the differences also in how the, the players that they saw a year ago have changed one way or the other going into this year. We're talking with Craig Wave, Texas High School Ball Hall of Famer here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation to hashtag TF Today. Uh, so Lake Travis is, I would say, I, I think it's fair to call them an underdog against the defending state champs in, in Galena Park, North Shore. I think that that's fair. The other Austin area 6A team that I think it, it is maybe the reverse, where they are playing a team that I think going into this against a team like Katie Taylor is is probably a little bit of uh, a, I would say I would say they are the favorite to win this game. My question is, and I know you you talk with Todd Dodge and you talk well, you're you're pretty plugged into the to the Westlake uh, kind of scene down there. Do you get the feeling like uh, it, I know that they got bounced last year in in the state semifinals and what was at least maybe a mild upset losing to to Beaumont Westbrook? Do you feel like there is this notion of unfinished business going on uh, down there on the lake? How about two years of unfinished yeah. business, Deb? Uh, Here's the cautionary tale for the Chaparrales. Uh, they've had some outstanding teams, and, uh, of course, in uh, 15, they got to the finals with Sam Ellinger at quarterback and lost to North Shore in overtime in that one. And uh, each of the last two years, the way it's worked out, Westlake has gone up against a team from the greater Houston area in the state semifinals that – according to whatever prognosticators, or let's let's be honest also, of uh, the computer, our good friend Jerry Forrest with Pigskin Prep, and, and the computer the computer this week says Westlake is 22 points better than Katie Taylor. Mm-hmm. Just don't tell that to Todd Dodge, because what he'll tell you is, hey, we've got the cautionary tale the last two years. If we're not ready to go, we will lose. Lost to Cypher two years ago, lost last year uh, to, um, to Westbrook. So the history shows when you get to this level, Everybody can play, and any of the four teams are capable of knocking off any of the other three in any given semifinal bracket. That said, you point to teams and say, yeah, you think North Shore is going to win. Yeah, you think Duncanville is going to win. Yeah, you think Carthage uh, is going to win. But the teams they're facing are all good enough to beat them if they're not on their game. And I think the same thing applies here for Westlake. I I think you're exactly right that that Taylor is a – I mean, they've they've won four playoff games. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're pretty obviously uh, battle tested. A team that that is is going to give them everything that they want. And, and I think you're right. I think that they, you know, they they you know, uh, not that anybody's going to take anybody lightly in a state semifinal, but they had better play their A game because Kitty Taylor is certainly good enough uh, to win that. You know, one thing. Well, that, and, uh, and here's the other thing. I always like I, I like I become fond of your. Uh, uh, confidence versus momentum corollary, and 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 uh, you know I brought that up to to coaches as well, and they they think the two kind of go hand in hand. Whereas you said you don't necessarily believe in momentum, but you believe in confidence. I think the confidence can help carry a team through a difficult moment, and then they feel like they've got the momentum, which then feeds on the confidence, and you got this vicious cycle and circle going on, and it and it leads to excellence on the field. And I think that's exactly what the deal is with the Mustang. When you look at Katie Taylor right now, they, they're believing they're going to beat everybody they play because they were down on the canvas anyway and got off the, the deck and have played some good teams. I think uh, the same thing happens. You can apply that to Wimberley. I think you get the same thing. You can, Well, you can apply it basically just about any team that's in it. Blum, 
You know, one A six man. They're they're going to be playing in their first ever state championship a week from tomorrow. They, those teams that folks either counted out or lightly regarded or just didn't take seriously enough are now still standing and playing deep in the playoffs, and they all believe our chance is as good as anybody else's. Why not us? One thing I love about the state semifinals is obviously you've got different regions and not just from you know parts of the state, but also literally region three playing region four. And, and I'm, I'm a big believer that different regions, partially because of where they are in the state, but, but partially just because I think the way that it breaks down, different regions have different personalities. And I think that they're like there's like there's a couple of examples where that's pretty stark. I look at the game between that you're going to be at with East Bernard and Paul Pewitt, where East Bernard coming from Region Four, that is a physical slugfest type type region. But what's interesting about Paul Pewitt is that they're coming from Region Three, and Region Three, in my opinion, is is always dominated by speed. That is just uh, just a lot of East Texas speed out there, and yet Paul Pewitt is kind of the outlier in that region, in that they are a big physical program. Same thing I would say for Bernie Champion. Bernie Champion is a wide-open spread offense in Region 4, which is tends to be in 5A Division 2, which tends to be dominated by the Port Lavaca Calhouns, the double slots, and the, the wing tees of Cal Allen. Um, and so that is, to me, I'm, I'm, I, I believe that styles make fights. And that's what, when you get to the state semifinals, you can have two really interesting dynamic styles going head-to-head that, that suddenly you never know what's going to happen when they mix it up. Yeah, and, and then compare that, contrast that champion offense to Fort Ben Marshall. Right. I mean, there's, there's enough speed to go all around for everybody in that. I, I think you're right. And, and it's weird the way that all of that works out, especially uh, with the game you just mentioned with East Bernard against Paul Pewitt. And Paul Pewitt is used to playing, like you said, fast teams, and they've also gone up against some physical East Texas teams, and yet East Bernard just kind of imposes its will, not only with its method and style of the slot with the offense, but what they do defensively as well. For a 3 AD 2 team, they can finish, uh, physically punish some teams. So that's that old thing about the will, imposing one's will on another team, and which style emerges. But I, I also believe this too, Tep, and I, know, I, I think you do as well. When you get to this point, you have found ways to win that might not necessarily go in your binder if you're a coach. You have found ways to win, to get beyond the, the parameters of your mind. To be able, and, and a perfect example, I mean, you know, our partner on uh, High School Scoreboard Live, Rick Renner, is going, you know, wither Lake Travis with a running game, you know, but, but that's what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Weston Stevens has been punishing uh, over the last few weeks, you know, teams that can find ways to add to their regular complement. Those are the ones that are most dangerous and can do it. That's why a team like North Shore is so incredibly deadly, because they can kill you in so many different ways. Same thing with Duncanville. One last question for Craig Way, the Texas High School Hall of Famer. Uh, we mentioned that you're going to be calling seven different state championship games on Fox Sports Southwest. Two of them are set. Two of them we know. Uh, the 1A Division One title game that kicks it all off on Wednesday, 11 a.m., McLean and Blum. Uh, and then the Division Two title game between Motley County and Richland Springs. Now, you call a lot of football games, right, both in high school football and in the, uh, for, for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, you're you're going to be on the call for those six-man games with Granger Huntress of sixmanfootball.com. And those are, by the way, I should mention, those are going to be live on Fox Sports Southwest for the first time. How can you can you take us through, is, is it just a football game or are there a different, uh, is it different to call, how is it different to call a six-man game as opposed to the 11-man the, the game? 
Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Seth, because our, our good friend Ed McElroy, uh, McElroy sent me an email mm-hmm. uh, wanting me to make sure that I that I outlined the distinction between if Richland Springs wins the title, their nine state titles, and if Alito wins their nine state titles. And he kind of almost compared it to Nazareth winning 20 girls basketball championships. And I said, I, I get where you're going, but one is basketball and one is football, even though six-man football is played under a different set of rules. We know that. 15 yards for the first down, 80 yards on the field, the 45-point rule. You know, all of those other, the clean exchange, as it's called, off the snap, coming from center. Uh, those those kinds of things. Those are the nuances, I think, Tep, that are as important to me in calling a six-man game as opposed to calling the 6A game or, or calling the 5AD1 game, as I will, or the 4AD2 or the 3AD2, is remembering what you're looking at at the time on the field, the 15 yards for the first down, how the field is striped and marked differently. You know, I was incredibly impressed with the, the job that Abilene does uh, and, and the way that they've got it uh, striped off and systematically done and great-looking six-man goalposts. Because the goalposts are different as well, mm-hmm. how they have it. They slot it right on in there for that field. And, and it, it looks almost like it's been there permanently. I mean, you can see the, the 11-man end zones clearly well beyond the six-man end zones, but it's well done. It's about the nomenclature, the terminology, remembering what you're looking at at the time. That's the biggest challenge, but I love calling it. it mm-hmm. it's, it's fun football, and it is football. It's an elevated uh, uh, game in terms of its offensive nature, but it's still football, and it's a lot of fun, and I enjoy it a lot. It's and I'm I'm glad personally. I'm glad that Fox is gonna gonna put it on 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 the linear TV. I think it's gonna be a good opportunity for people to, to who maybe you know a city slickers who you know you gotta you gotta get out into the sticks to see some six man football. It's, it comes to them now in their living room. Yeah, and and I know in in and you say us city slickers, you're as you're as big an advocate for six man as I am, and and Lehman Saunders and, and Granger Huntress uh, who follow it, uh, you know, moment by moment all season long. But we're we're all big fans and proponents of it because we know just like it does at so many other places what it means to the community. The city of Lampasas is, is all jacked up right now. The city of Omaha, Texas, is all fired up right now over what their teams are doing. But I guarantee you. You know, go into Matador, go into Motley County, go, you know, go into Blum and tell me they're not fired up. They may not have as many people, but the ones there in those communities are every bit as much at a fever pitch. Richland Springs uh, and McLean as the defending state champ, they're every bit as pumped up and fired up and excited about it as they are at any other level of the 11-man game. He's Craig Way. He's the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. Uh, make sure you watch him on High School Scoreboard Live on Saturday. Catch him on the horn in Austin. And then uh, catch him calling seven of the state championship games at AT&T Stadium next week. Uh, Craig, we're not going to do it again next week because next Tuesday you and I are probably going to be in the same building. But uh, uh, I, I will see you Saturday for High School Scoreboard Live. You bet. See you then. There he goes. Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. Joins us every Tuesday. This was his last one of the year. Last one of the oh. decade. Oh, wow. 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 Yeah. Uh, so appreciate him taking a little time to chat with us. Uh, calling seven of the games down there at AT&T Stadium. Should be a lot of fun. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Uh, did you see there were a couple different comments that uh, Lam- I don't the comments up. Then you didn't see it. I let you. I, I let you tell, you tell me what's important. Okay. Well, in the comments, there were a couple different ones about uh, Lampasas making the uh, "You Got Moss" segment yes! last night on that. So that's really when I said, "Did you see?" I was talking about that. But yes, I did. I did hear about that. 
Um, I heard that they had. Um, I heard that that a Lampasas player. It wasn't. It was Ace Whitehead who threw it. Threw it. Yeah. But I don't know. I wish. I'm sure you can find it. You I can't remember lost. what the name of the receiver was. Let me see. Was. Uh, yeah. So Lampasas football. It is. Um, oh, it's uh, Jalen Porter. Jalen yeah, Porter's yeah, big yeah. catch uh, in their win over Liberty Hill made it on on the Monday Night Football pregame show, which is awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I was say, apparently, it was the number one play too, which is really really cool. I'm always because this is the fun time of year that pe- because there are fewer games, the big 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 outlets like the ESPNs uh-huh. and the FS1s and stuff, they start paying attention, attention to like when right. there's big highlights in high school football. It was like last year the the North Shore Duncanville game got like a legit two minutes on sports, yeah, or something like that. That's that's fun, you know. Because oh, yeah. one thing to remember, guys, is that. Like, we all know how great high school football is, but this is a sport that can grow. And it oh, can yeah. always get more fans into it. So, it's always always awesome there. So, congratulations to Jalen Porter making some national TV. Yeah. Anything else? That's pretty fun. Nope. Okay. I think that'll do it. All right. Thanks, Lemur. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending <laughs> part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks to Craig Way for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please can get your Player of the Year trophy. We will see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.